Hello, fellow explorers of the human experience. This is Conversations on Living, a podcast about life and how to live it. I'm Chris Brock, and I'll be your waiter for today as we explore this buffet of ideas and thinking points for living a full, rewarding and fulfilling life. A smorgasbord, contemplative delights to feast your brain upon, and maybe, just maybe, find something in there that resonates, motivates, or elucidates just a little bit. Today's conversation is about our penchant for discontent. Perhaps it's part of the human condition, but most of us seem to have difficulty accepting the way things are. Instead, we find ourselves angered by what we see on the news, enraged by some enemy we are told is out to get us, disappointed by the quality of our lives, or by the numbers on our bank balances, or the measurements on our waistbands, constantly striving for more, for better, or for different. There always seems to be something to complain about, to be dissatisfied with, to feel aggrieved about, and always someone or something to blame. It's almost as if we've become addicted to chaos and negativity, and it we've created a system that feeds off this addiction, requiring us to exist in a constant state of low-level emotional trauma in order to sell us clicks, clothes and vacations, requiring us to act and think and behave and identify in certain ways which, when examined closely, are not actually in alignment with who we really are. And it is when we're out of alignment with our authentic selves that we don't realise our potential. As Maslow might say, we remain unactualized, and indeed, this whole system that we've created for ourselves seems designed to keep us that way. Simply put, we aren't who we came here to be, and we aren't living the lives we came here to live. Even though we're experiencing this existence, are we actually the ones pulling the strings? So how do we break free from this state of inauthentic living and step into our most real, most authentic and most true selves? It's not a new question, but one that's been played with for thousands of years. Lao Tzu said it sometime around the 6th century BCE when he stated, When I let go of what I am, I become what I might be. Rumi, the Sufi poet, hinted at it in the 1200s when he wrote, You think you belong to this world of dust and matter. Out of this dust you've created a personal image and have forgotten about the essence of your true origin. And Muji, the modern-day spiritual teacher, said it when he wrote, Step into the fire of self-discovery. It will not burn you. It will burn everything you are not. This quest to discover who we really are, despite the trappings of culture, society and expectation, and to create a life that is in alignment with this true version of ourselves, can itself take a lifetime. And perhaps we may never get there, living a life instead shaped by the dictates of expectation, convention, tradition and culture. But while we settle for anger, for discontent, for resentment, and the exhausting bitterness of carrying around a thousand injustices, while also straining to be something we are not in a world that is not built for us, we can never begin that journey. But at some point there will come a day when many of us decide it's time to put down the baggage and start taking the action of change to unravel and unload everything we've accumulated over the course of our lives, and in the process dig down closer to the truth of who we are. This notion of our unique truth, of finding out who we are once we remove all that we are not, is, is explored by Jim Phillips, the author of the book, The Key to Life, Living in Full Expression. Jim is an entrepreneur, a speaker and a coach, and he's joined me on the podcast to talk about how our truth, our reality and who we really are, are shaped by a lifetime of experiences. But once we learn to let them go, we can live a more fulfilling, real and rewarding existence. 
You can find out more about Jim at his website, www.livinginfullexpression.com, and you can find his book on Amazon and all good bookstores. And he's also on all the socials, including Twitter, where his handle is at Inspired10, so that's at Inspired10. All these links will be in the show notes at conversationsonliving.com. And you can now also join the conversation in the show's private Facebook group. Just search for Conversations on Living or find the link in the show notes. Before we get into the conversation, I just wanted to give a shout out to the guys at Headliner who support this podcast. Headliner is the surface that I use to create the audiograms with which I promote the show. You've probably seen them. They're like social media sized images with moving waveforms and audio snippets from each episode. Headliner is probably the easiest way to create audiograms and you can find out more at their site at www.headliner.app. And also a quick mention about the eye-opening documentary entitled The Portal. Produced by meditation expert Tom Cronin, it suggests that every crisis the world faces is man-made and that meditation, the practice of personal introspection, may be the answer the world is looking for. As the Dalai Lama said, if we could teach every eight-year-old in the world to meditate, we would eradicate violence within a generation. And that's just what The Portal is proposing. Tom will be joining me on the podcast next week, but in the meantime, you can find out more about the film at www.entertheportal.com. And now, without further ado, here's my conversation with Jim Phillips about living in full expression. So, Jim, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Uh, we're primarily, primarily here to talk about your book, uh, The Key to Life, living in full expression and the kind of idea of of our personal truths and that sort of thing um so can you give me a little bit of an introduction into kind of what you do what this whole idea of living in full expression is all about and um and what 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 your ideas about truth are well the the whole idea of the truth is i think that's what we're all trying to get to and to me, that's the reason for living. It's the progressive realization of the truth. All of the events we have in life, all the experiences we have, all the choices we make result in an opportunity to realize more and more of the truth. And of course, some people would say, well, you're talking about realizing more and more of the truth. Well, isn't the truth the truth? And yes, that is true. However, anything that we hold is true becomes true for us and we act against that. So that, that then acts as the truth. And then we have consequences based on whatever decisions we make based on that which we hold is true. So to get to the whole idea of the key to life living in full expression, first and foremost, the word life is the acronym for living in full expression. So I believe that is what life is about. But it, it's about getting to our true essence, the source of who we are. And I guess an easy way to get people to understand that, easy way to get them to understand it, not necessarily accept it, is when they're looking in the mirror, who is looking at them through their eyes? You know, it's, 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 it's easy to say, well, that's me looking through my eyes, the physical body, but then at the same time, you can say, well, who's thinking about the fact that I'm looking through those eyes and seeing what I'm seeing as a reflection. So getting to our truth is understanding who that, who and what that core essence is that's operating within the physical body. I personally believe it's divine, the, the divine working through all of us. And they're working through us and as us to help us better understand the truth, to get to this greater understanding and experience of who we are as this divine being, as creators, so to speak. And we have free will, which gives us that opportunity to make choices that we 
make sometimes that benefit us. We make choices oftentimes that don't benefit us. And then we have the consequences of that that we have to work through. But in each one of those sets of circumstances, there's always an opportunity for us to better understand ourselves and to move back towards whatever we may consider the truth to be. And again, to me, the whole process is about getting to that ultimate truth. And we recognize that, I believe, once we depart the planet. I don't think we ever get to it while we're in physical form. I mean, is it a sense that like when we are when we're born and we come into this kind of reality as as kind of new new human beings uh, with right. no kind of societal influence, no cultural influence put upon us, no language or anything like that, that um, that we are living a, a kind of true experience in a way. But then everything piles on top of that and it becomes right. a kind of distorted perception of reality. And that's what we're kind of trying to undo. Um, and which we ultimately work towards until the day we move on to the next thing, whatever that might be. Yeah. Yeah. The, the way that I look at that is that all of the things you're talking about is that we, we're born into the world. We are, for the most part, we're innocent. We don't really know. I mean, we're, we're grabbing and looking at everything. Our eyes are lit up and we're laughing and smiling. And we haven't been told we're not good enough for this or that we're, you know, we're this or we're that. We're just allowed to be who we are. And tongue in cheek, one of the things I tell people is what's, what do we call newborn babies? And, you know, they'll kind of ham and haul and say, well, most of us call a newborn baby a bundle of joy. And I'll say, for the most part, that was the only time any of us have been called that. Because from that point forward, we have all this stuff that you're talking about piled on us that hides that joy, that hides that true essence of who we are. So the progressive realization of the truth is about shedding that untruth the layer and layer upon layer of untruth that's been heaped upon us. And while we can say it was our upbringing, we can say it was our parents, we can say it was all these different experiences that we've had, we're still responsible for it. We're allowing that to stick to us. And then we accept that as who we are, instead of looking at, well, no, that's not who I am. That's what that other person sees in me, or that's their perspective, or maybe it's something they're working through and they're projecting whatever that thing is on me, and that's not who I am. So we have to rise above all of that. And that's the, that's the shedding of the untruths, getting beyond all of those things that we claim as ourselves, whether you want to call them labels or identities or roles we play in life to get to that core essence and understand that life is about living as that true essence freely, joyfully, happily, peacefully, and not allowing all this stuff that's happening around the world and with our own little part of the world as well to impact us in such a way that it prevents us from actually expanding in that whole process of, of getting to know who we are. Is it a sense that kind of once we get to know who we really are and what our, our personal truth is, that then we can live our own authentic life and, and really kind of live a joyful, real experience? Is that the whole yeah. point of this? Yeah, I, I think that's the, the whole purpose. I, a quick story, I have a friend of mine, <clears throat> his name is Daniel Brinkley. And if you Google the word Daniel, for about the first 10,000 pages, his name's on there. Now I had one person tell me there's not a whole lot of people named Daniel, so his name's gonna pop up. So that probably is part of it. But he's a gentleman who wrote a book by the name of Saved by the Light. He was struck by lightning when he was 25 years old. He was talking on a telephone, struck the house and came through the, the power cord. 
And he said he remembers himself floating above his shoes that were smoking, that were stuck to the floor. He died, crossed over, and was on the other side for an extraordinary amount of time. Now, while that would be extraordinary if it happened to him once, it's happened to him somewhere around five times now, where he has actually crossed over. So I was having a conversation with him one day, and I said, I got a question for you. I said, you've gone back and forth a couple of times, several times. And I said, you brought back all this incredible information. I said, I want to know what the purpose of life is. Now, he, he's, he's got this, this great South Carolina accent. I mean, a very heavy accent. And he's a big guy. And he started laughing. He threw his head back and really loud. He said, the purpose of life is to be happy, to be joyful. That's it. He said, we're here to experience life with joy. And I looked at him, I said, I said, Daniel, you died five times and that's all you got. And, and he started laughing, but he said, seriously, he said, all this other stuff that we're dealing with is stuff we bring on ourselves. And there's a word that I use in my book called simplexity. And that's what really simplexity is all about. It's about the simple aspect of life, which is just really life as it is, showing up every day, experiencing life, enjoying it without bringing all this complex extra baggage to it that we do on a regular basis for whatever reason we complicate things way more than they need to be so when he told me that day that really life is about experiencing as much joy and happiness as we possibly can and allowing that to be our expression you know who we are and how we're perceived in this world that life becomes much easier but we just do the opposite we feel that oh i can't have joy or i can't have happiness unless this happens or unless i achieve that or unless this person loves me, or unless I have this much money in my account. And that takes away from this overall experience of life that I believe we're here to have. And I'm sure you've been told this many times by other people you've had on your show, but if we reverse that, if we are joyful, if we are happy, if we are at peace, all that other stuff happens. We have more success. We have more people want to be engaged with us. We have more business opportunities. We have more money in the bank. We have just a much greater, more fulfilling life as a result of that. So it's not that one begets the other. It's that as we live in full expression of our truth, which is that joyful divine being, all the other stuff comes to us. I mean, this sounds a lot like kind of ancient wisdom, if you like, because I've, I've heard kind of similar things. There's, um, I don't know if you know Muji, but he talks about stepping into the fire of, um, was it self-awareness? And it, will, it won't burn you, but it'll burn away everything you're not. Yeah. And I think um, Rumi talks about it, the, the kind of Sufi poet, he talks about, you know, only when we're our, ourselves and, and we live a life of love, can we really live an authentic life? And it even reminds me of the, the Tao Te Ching a little bit, Lao Tzu. And he talks about, you know, you, you talk about life flowing and he talks about going with the, the flow of life and Taoism, all this kind of stuff. It's a, it's a kind of, I mean, even Buddhism goes into this. Um, right. And what you talk about with the, the divine, it reminds me of Alan Watts as well. He talks about, you know, we are the universe experiencing itself and we right. have to let that kind of divine energy come, come through us and live our lives that way. Right. Why do you think we're not living our lives that way? Why do you think we are so obsessed with not being present, but being, being either stuck in the future, worried about the past and not enjoying any of it? Why do you think we're struggling so much with that? Well, I, I do think a big part of it is what you were talking about earlier, which is when we're born from that moment forward, we have people telling us 
what what is what anything is right so we're, we're getting that information from them that is being based in whatever their experiences have been which may never be our experience but yet we're hearing what they've done we're seeing how they interact with people in a different way we see what they're getting angry at then as we get older a way for them to control us and i'm not saying it's good or bad because our parents didn't have a handbook either you know they were everybody's born into those same sorts of circumstances some more difficult than others but with that my belief is that we we as a soul are born into the perfect circumstances for that soul to have and experience the life that was intended for that soul and the way that i got to that way of thinking is and we can talk about afghanistan right now or we can talk about you know any country where there is that kind of conflict or turmoil that's going on these people are born into that i mean the vast majority especially the younger ones they were born into this 20 years of what's been going on and so i questioned that one time but it was more about somalia at the time and i questioned it i said why are those people born into those circumstances where I'm born into the world that I'm born into in the United States, a white male having certain advantages other people don't have. And I acknowledge that. I don't, you know, and I don't think I'm special or anything else. I just acknowledge that's the way that it is. So I was questioning that. And out of that came two things. One, I asked, what can I do to, to benefit those people? You know, how can I, how can I help them in some way? And the response I got from where I get my responses was, if you were intended to be there and support them, you'd be there. And it was, you need to do what you need to do where you are. That's why you are where you are. And then the follow-up to that was, well, why are they born into those circumstances? And the answer was, they're born into the perfect circumstances for their life to live out, to be lived out the way their soul intended so that that soul can get what it needs to get during this particular lifetime. Now, you know, some people may say that's just an easy answer to kind of push everything to the wayside and not take responsibility, but I can't think of any other reason. Because, you know, if, if, if we want to think about it as God or spirit or the universe or whoever saying, okay, well, I'm going to put you here in these dire circumstances, but I'm going to put Jim and I'm going to put Chris in these circumstances that are more beneficial, that's judgment. And I don't believe God, spirit, the divine is judgmental. I think we have the opportunity to make our own decisions in whatever direction we want to go or whatever experiences we want to create. But I think there has to be something to the soul making that initial decision that these are the circumstances that would benefit me most. And then they work through it. And maybe this particular lifetime, that lifetime is supposed to be one of being born into those circumstances where there is this amount of turmoil or struggle to have that experience. Again, for reasons that I'll never be able to grasp during this lifetime. Now, maybe when we, we all die and we, we go back to the source and we're all part of that one, maybe we have that understanding and, and may, or maybe it doesn't even matter because we realize it's just another experience of source or of, of a soul. But that's the only way I can justify that. I've, I've, I've had similar thoughts myself. You know, what, why am I a white man living in, in England to fairly well-off parents? And yeah. not a a kind of a, a girl in India, uh, right. you know, really struggling in in one of the the kind of you know less um, less well off areas down there, and I I had a similar kind of question. Well, maybe it's because my my soul wasn't ready for that yet. Maybe I'm not strong enough for that yet. Maybe I need to work my way through this lifetime and the next lifetime to really prepare myself for that kind of hardship. And only when I'm ready throughout many lifetimes you know maybe then it's ready to move on to the next 
plane of existence in the multiverse or whatever yeah. you want to call it yeah um or, might... or maybe or maybe you just came out of that and this is your soul's opportunity for a breather uh, maybe yeah you know to have that that more you know we we always have work to do it doesn't matter what existence you come into you've experienced pain you're going to experience pain i've experienced pain i've had many challenges but I can, I can honestly say they have not been anything compared to what I believe some of these people are going through. But yet we still have the struggles of life that we have to work through. And I think if we approach it with the, with the thought that there's always something in here that I'm supposed to gain. And if you start looking for that, what is, what is the benefit of this? Whatever it is, it doesn't matter that I can gain from to help me get to the other side to then continue through my life or along my life path to get to the next thing that's going to show up, that's going to give me another opportunity to gain that greater understanding. So how do we let go in order to follow our path? You, you said there's, in the, when you talked about the simplexities of life, you said that there's no right, or, right path or wrong path. There is your path. Follow it. So how do we know, you know what to let go of and how to let go of it and find the courage to, to proceed that way and take those first steps? Yeah, I, I wrote an article on that because I had a client that I was working with and she had been working with some other life strategists and life coaches before. And I guess I was just the next one in the line because she didn't want to do what everybody else had told her to do. So we were having a conversation and the whole idea of just letting go came up. And she said, everybody keeps telling me to just let go, but nobody tells me what that means. And I think we do use that. We use that as just kind of a way to, in a blase way, say, just get over yourself, you know, just don't worry about it. And, and you can't do that because whatever we're going through that is a, a deep-seated set of circumstances or a belief we hold that's holding us back or keeping us in pain or whatever the case may be, it's not a matter of flipping a switch. There's gotta be some degree of understanding so that we can let go of it. But to me, one of the, one of the first things we have to do is recognize that we're holding on to something or some things that no longer serve us. We're, we're, we're allowing ourselves to be slave to that, whatever it is. And so the first thing that has to happen, we have to become aware of it. And it's acknowledgement. It's, 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 letting, it, it's, it's acknowledging to ourselves, first and foremost, that we are the ones responsible for it. We might not have been responsible for the event, but we are responsible for holding on to it, for allowing that to be what's dictating our thoughts, our decisions, any actions we might take. Of course, we don't, we don't control the circumstances. That comes as a result of the other things that come before it. But I think first and foremost is about really being vigilant with our thoughts and our beliefs, understanding what we think, what we believe, and then questioning why. One of the quotes in my book is, the hell we experience is the hell we so dearly cling to. And you know, when you think about that, it's true. I mean, the really bad things in life are things we keep, whether we keep repeating it, because we haven't learned from the first time, or we use it as a crutch, you know, a, a reason for not moving forward, a reason for why things happen the way that they happen. And a lot of times, whatever that is, is not something we did, it's something somebody else did, or somebody said something to us, or somebody said, we're this kind of a person, and then we, for whatever reason, we've adopted that identity. You know, another thing I wrote about, and we see this in the news all the time, is identity theft. Well, we're the biggest perpetrators of identity theft on the planet. We have stolen our own identity by adopting all of these other labels and identities that we take on. 
at the expense of our true identity, which is our true source, our essence, whatever that is that operates within us in this world. How do we know then when we, when we do start to kind of, I don't know, forgive our past, forgive life for being so mean to us, forgive ourselves for all the mistakes we've made and, and start to move forward and shed our, our kind of baggage and our, our skin and these false identities that we create for ourselves. How do we know when we're getting closer to our essence? And I, I think we have well, just think, uncovered another false identity that was kind of under. Yeah, I, I think one of the first things to do, and maybe this is a mindset that people have a difficult time with, but I think if we think through it, we can better understand it. But it's that nobody's doing anything to you. It's not like, and, and I, I've said this to people before, that it's a very arrogant thing for people to think. People will say, life is doing this to me. And I'll say, okay, there's 7 billion people on the planet, but life, God, spirit, whatever, has chosen you out of 7 billion people to slap around. That's pretty arrogant to think that, that you, you can gain that much attention from life. I said, it's not about that. Everything that happens in life is nothing more than an experience. Now, when I say that, people get kind of bristled with it and they say, well, what do you mean? I mean, this happened to me and it was a horrendous thing. I said, I, I get that. I said, but it was an experience. It was something that happened, something that you partook, uh, had partaken in, but it was an experience. It no longer exists other than the fact that you hold it. You keep bringing it up in your thoughts and we bring it up in our thoughts, we feel it physically again. We can bring up the horror of an event that happened. We can bring up the, the whatever fear we might have or the pain, physical pain. We can bring that up as well, just through our thoughts and our physical body will allow that to be experienced again. So that's the hell that I'm talking about that we hold on to. So we just have to recognize that number one, life, the universe, God, whatever, is not out to get you. It actually is in support of you in everything that you do. And if we start looking at our thoughts and beliefs and the choices we make, and we see the correlation between what ends up happening, we'll see how much control we actually have. Because we, we are the ones that are leading that, I got a, a better way to put it, we're the ultimate authority in our own lives. We're always the one that says yes or no. And so we, we just need to start taking a look at that and really looking at it and then start making decisions that are more in alignment with the experience you want to create. And part of letting, parting letting, part of letting go is not being so tied to the things you don't want and putting your attention and intention on the things you really want to create, the experiences you want to have, and then see how that starts to work. Make decisions that are allowing you to move in that direction or to move towards that event or that experience. And then I think the more that we do that, the more powerful we realize we are. And we also realize how, how our thoughts are actually what is... Um, directing the unfoldment of, of our individual lives it's interesting it reminds me there's an old um an old parable i don't know it's a it's a story about two prisoners of war and they've been in this terrible camp during the war for many years and suffered terribly at the the hands of the the enemy who who kept them there and then they meet up decades later and one says to the other have you forgiven you know our, our captors for what they did to us and the, um, the other one says, oh, I could never forgive them. How could I ever possibly forgive them for what they did to us? And the first one says to him, well, you're still their prisoner then. Yep. You know, and, that, and that's kind of like what we, we carry with us, all this resentment and all this anger and all this, um, you know, hurt that we carry with us. And even just our cultural uh, programming, if you like, of our society, it's keeping us kind of trapped in this, this prison camp, if you like. 
when we yeah. could be moving on we could be doing so much more and kind of you know really forging a life like like you say yeah there's a there's another story that's very similar to that that there was two monks that were walking down this old road and they were talking to each other they came to a stream and there was a young girl that was standing on the same side of the stream as they were and one of the monks picked up the girl and the other one's looking at him just totally aghast can't believe he picked this girl up but he carries the girl across the stream puts her down and the two monks go on their way and so about an hour or two later, they're walking in silence. And the one monk looked at the other and said, I can't believe you carried that, that girl across the stream. And the other monk said, I can't believe you're still carrying her. Yeah. So it's the same yeah, thing. Exactly. You know, it's just, we allow ourselves to get stuck in that, that um, thought process or that mindset. Instead how, of do, how do we know we're stuck? How do we know? I mean, Jung said that, you know, before any breakthrough, there has to come a lot of pain. But, uh, but I think for most people, they're living in this kind of low level pain of just being angry all the time. They're angry at what they see on TV. They're angry at what politicians are saying, but they, yeah. don't, under, they don't appreciate that this is a kind of negative stress that's being put on them and that their lives are full of these kind of negative, little negative things are all building up one by one and that they're living in a kind of sense of pain. How, how bad does the pain need to get before they decide I've had enough of this. I need to start working on myself and, and kind of reject all of this kind of yeah. stuff. Somebody, I, I don't know who said this or, or where I read it, but the statement was that we are addicted to pain or we're addicted to life or we're addicted to chaos. And if you think about addictions, if you think about an alcoholic, if you think about somebody who's addicted to drugs or whatever it might be, when do they finally realize it? I mean, you, you cannot help somebody in those situations until they realize they have a problem. So I think, it, it, I think it's dependent upon each individual where we just say, I've had enough. I can't continue to live my life this way. And it can be at any moment. I, you know, I don't think that you have to say they have to reach, they have to reach the absolute bottom to finally get to the point where you know, they're, they're falled up on the floor screaming for help. I don't think that has to happen. I do think though, that sometimes because of the people that we put on pedestals, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but we put people on pedestals that are uh, professionals, inspirational speakers. And for the vast majority of them, they view the committed suicide. They've, they've had some horrendous experience in life, or they've gone through this, or they've gone through that. And then they talk about how they got to where they are right now. And I think subliminally, the message is you have to get there before you can get to where I am now. And I don't agree with that. It's, it's actually a, a moment of choice where you just finally say, I'm done. I, I'm not gonna live my life this way. And I can speak to myself to that, to that same uh, degree. I haven't had horrendous things happen in my life. I've had difficult situations, but I haven't had some of these experiences other people have had. But yet at the same time, I had a realization that there was more to life than I was experiencing. And I wanted to enjoy more of that. I wanted to have that experience. I wanted to create it. So I, I met different people. And I think, you know, once you get to that point where you are open to it, then everything shows up. People show up that all of a sudden will give you information or say something to you that, that causes you to be a little bit more curious about something. So you go pick up a book or you read a book and then there's something in the book that there's a word in there that you look up and all of a sudden you're looking at something a little bit differently or, you know, you, you, you get into a, a 
conversation with somebody or you have a relationship with somebody that just puts you on a different path. One of the things that happened for me when I was 24, I was, I was, um, no, I was, I think I was 26 at the time. I was, I was in real estate at the time and I was given the opportunity, all expenses paid to go be certified by Stephen Covey and his seven habits of highly effective people. That's a great book. And, yeah. And that was out of the blue. I mean, I had this, this man that I knew that was the head of a, a big real estate organization who just walked up to me and said, how would you like to be certified to teach this program? Now I had been introduced to metaphysics and some other things shortly before that, but not to the degree that, you know, I really was into it, but here he said, how would you like to go do that? So I went to, I went to Utah, met with Stephen Covey himself, had him teaching some programs along with some of his other trainers, got certified in the seven habits of highly effective people. Well, that opened me up to a lot of different ideas and a lot of different ways of looking at life. A lot of that information people use now in just their regular language, you know, begin with the end in mind. People always say, well, what do you want to end up with? And so if you have that as your end goal, what do you need to do to get there? You know, I mean, things like that. So that really opened me up to a lot of different things. And as a result of that, I started meeting people who were like-minded that would share information with me. And then it eventually got to the point where I was starting to question things about life in general, my life specifically, why am I here? What am I here to do? But then life in general, and in another conversation you and I have had, I started taking early morning walks and I would ask those questions out loud. And that time I now call being immersed in the silence of the dawn, because to me, it's that time I'm connected. It's very quiet. It's typically dark. I'm not distracted by anything, although there would, you know, some animals might be out or something like that. But I just find that to be part of the experience with it being nature. But I ask these questions out loud and I typically get an answer pretty quickly. And they're, they're usually profound. And it's not that I hear a voice, but it's just something that comes to me that is above and beyond what I normally would have thought of. And then I can incorporate that into who I am and, and how I'm living my life. But I also share it with people in the work that I do. And that's been going on now for about 30 years. And a lot of, a lot of the quotes that are in my book, The Key to Life, Living in Full Expression, came from those early morning walks. That's fascinating. That would be um, um, very much aligned with what Martha Beck, uh, I don't know if you know Martha Beck, but she, she was a guest on the podcast. And she calls it her spirit mule. And um, so she's, she's a very humorous uh, woman, yeah. but she talks about um, noticing what you notice. So become, just become more open to what you're, what you're thinking, what you're seeing, because often it's our intuition trying to right. tell us something. It's picking up on all the things around us. Uh, it's giving us messages all the time, but most of the time we're too busy thinking about something else. And, um, and it's amazing what you see. And, and one of the stories I often talk about is um, uh, I was on the train one day and uh, I was writing a, a blog post about fear. And there's this, this um, very famous phrase by uh, uh, Georgia Dare, and it's everything you want is on the other side of fear. Um, but, uh, but for me, that's, it doesn't help because you're focused on fear. And it's like, yeah, I know, but I'm afraid, you know, and I was thinking, well, how can we tackle this kind of the obstacle of fear? And I looked out of the window and the train was going along and I just saw this big word in neon lights. And it just said courage. And yeah. of course, in the UK, courage is a, the name of a brewery. Um, yeah. But it was a, and it was above. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter, but because there was the sign I was looking for right at that moment. Yeah. And similarly, I, I've studied um, Shinrin Yoku, the uh, uh, forest bathing, 
and there have been times when I've been out in the forest and I've asked a question and then a thought has popped up into, into my head from nowhere. And it's almost like, okay, the trees have told me something here that I need to yeah. be aware of, you know, and it's just, even if we're not spiritual people, uh, you know, I had very early on in the days of this podcast, I was talking to a chap who, because um, this podcast is all about creating your own life. And I was, I was talking to a chap who uh, set up his own brewery and he, he came from money. He'd had a previous career. And he, had, he knew nothing about uh, setting up a brewery, but he really wanted to do it. And the more he committed to it, and the more he spoke to people about it, the more everything seemed to fall into place for him. You know, he met a designer who could do his logo and he just happened to find there was a spring on his land that could provide water. And it was almost like it was meant to be. And he, he's not at all a, a spiritual person. Mm -hmm. And it brings me back to a, a line in your book where you say what we are in agreement with, we bring into the world. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to ask, is that, are we actually bringing it into the world or are we just tuning into something that's already there when we get our, our perspective straight and we focus on what we want and that kind of thing? Well, if you use the example of this gentleman and he had people who were coming to him, well, those people were already in the world, right? Yeah. But they weren't in his sphere, so to speak. So I think he did bring them into his world through whatever questions and that sort of thing he was asking. But I, I think about this. Every word that you and I have spoken, everybody who speaks English has agreed to what that word means. I mean, otherwise, it's just a word, right? Yeah. And it could be, it could be anything. It could be random. So, who was the first person who decided this is an apple? And then we've all agreed to it now that that's an apple. So every time we see this piece of fruit, you know, it's an apple. So, you know, we agree to those things, but I also think that when we, and I'm going to get back to, um, I'll, I'll speak about the, the agreement thing, but when you, when you were talking about getting those, those thoughts that come into you, one of the challenges that I think most of us have is we just think it's a random thought that comes in and we don't give it any credence. We just, uh, that's not going to happen or fear steps in and says, no, I can't do that. It's too much work or it's this or it's that. The gentleman starting the brewery, even though he knew nothing about it, he could have very easily have made the choice, even though he wanted to do it, I'm not going to tackle that. Too much, I don't know what it's about. I have to study it. I have to do this, do that. But he made the choice to at least start taking action. He engaged in the process, which was asking questions. And then the more he asked the questions, the more those things that he needed to create this brewery showed up. And then now all of a sudden he's an expert. You know, he, he becomes an expert where people are probably coming to him now based on his experience with the brewery. But I think that the agreement comes in that I think the first agreement is with ourselves. And that is that we believe that something is possible. So that's an agreement I'm making with myself. I believe this is possible. So I'm agreeing to that. I'm agreeing with this inspiration that I just received. So I believe it's possible. So now that I believe it's possible, what are the things I can do to make it actually come into being? So as I make choices that are in alignment with that coming into being, more opportunities are going to show up. As I take action towards it, the likelihood is that the, the consequence of the action I take is going to result in something that's beneficial to me that would be the achievement of whatever it is I set out to do. So, you know, I, I do think that, you know, about the agreement that, um, Here's, here's another point, I'm kind of jumping around. <clears throat> if we think about this, this um, formula, everything exists as pure potential, right? I mean, everything is pure potential. 
once we have a thought about it or a thought about a thing, then whatever the object of that thought is, now the potential for that thing to be exists. So we've created the potential for it to be. Once we believe that it's possible, we then bring it more into our lived reality or the possibility of it coming into our lived reality. Then if we make choices around it that would help reinforce it coming into our lived experience or creating whatever it is, and then we take action against it, the likelihood is we're going to, again, create whatever it is that we're trying to create. So I think that if, if we can get beyond what we already know, see, if, if, we, if we would create from our imagination instead of from our history, we'd be much better off. You know, if we could forget everything we know and just perceive everything that shows up without having any labels attached to it and think from the possibility of what everything could be, then we're not gonna hold ourselves back. We don't have any fear around anything because we're not concerned about what somebody else might say because all that stuff was what happened before. Or as you said earlier, we project about what we're fearful of that might happen in the future. We, we only have right now, this moment that just keeps unfolding. And then whatever we do is gonna impact the next moment, which eventually will impact what happens tomorrow because of the cumulative thoughts or choices that I make or anybody makes in that interim period. So it's kind of like growing into this new reality in a way. It's, it's, it's like once the thought is there, it starts to, the energy starts to coalesce, if you like. And once you start to take action and, and make things happen, then it starts to become a kind of real physical thing. And whether you believe in that in a kind of spiritual way or a practical way, uh, yeah. that's, how, that's how businesses start. That's how art is made. That's how lives are changed, I suppose. But what does it mean that, that we're in this new reality? Because every moment is a new reality. Every, every moment is different from the one that preceded it. There's all kinds of things that are happening. There's things that are happening right now that you and I are not aware of that are part of somebody's reality, but it's not part of my reality because I'm not a part of that that's happening. You know, it, it's this constant evolution of, I don't know, experience or... Um, you know, our reality as we perceive it is going to change based on how we perceive things. If, if um, you know, some of the terrible things that happen in the world, one of the, one of the, one of the things that we are told is that we should forgive everybody. And you, you touched on that a minute ago. Forgiveness is a way to help us become free, free of whatever the burden of holding on to that resentment or uh, whatever it is that we have against somebody else. But when we, when we forgive, it's not about condoning what somebody did. It's about letting ourselves off the hook. Yeah. It's about not holding that in ourselves so that we're not the ones carrying it around. The person that committed the crime or did whatever they did, they got to deal with that the rest of their lives. They did it, whatever it was they did. But I don't have to, I don't have to tie myself to that. Or, or as you talked about, I don't have to drag it around for the rest of my life. It's not serving me. And then it's preventing me from living in full expression of who I am. It, it prevents me from, from continuing to evolve, to become more fully the, the entity that I am, you know, in, in a lived experience. So allow that to be what's coming through me and as me. You talked about Stephen Covey. You're, you, uh, you are one of his kind of trained um, and certified uh, coaches, would you call yourself in that sense? Or? Yeah, but don't ask me a question about it. that. Was a long time ago. <laughs> okay, well, I was just talking. I was just thinking about spheres of influence, and yeah. he talks a lot of, in his book uh, about um, how there. You know, we we obsess about the things we can't control, what people think of us. Um, you know, what life's going to give us, the rewards we're going to get. 
and we don't obsess enough about the things we can control, which is what we think, what we do, how we feel, those kind of things. Yeah. But the more we the more we focus on those things, the the simple things, the more we start to have influence over the other things as a kind of by proxy. We, you know, the, the less you worry about what people think, um, the more they're likely to like you if you if you know what I mean, if if you yeah. if you kind of you know, to simplify it a little bit. Yeah. Is that how we we start to shift things in our favor and and, and find our truth, you know, by think that Han said the way out is in. Is it by saying, okay, I'm going to take responsibility for how I react to the world. And by changing the way I react, the world will start to change around me because, because I'm not going around being angry. So the world isn't kind of, you know, responding angrily to me. Yeah. You know, is, is that, is it as simple as that? I think it is. And I think the, the, one of the, one of the quotes that, that I love that you're familiar with is to thine self be true. And if we are, that's, that's us paying attention to who we are. That's us not listening to all the noise outside of us of people telling us who we are or what we should do. It's about really living, but it's also about living with integrity. It's about living with truthfulness and honesty. I mean, all those things that are, are attributes that we would all want to have being expressed through us. So it's not about deliberately going out and do something that you know is going to negatively impact somebody else or whatever. It's just about being true to ourselves I and mean, really understanding who we are. And I do think that as we do that, life becomes much more simple. It doesn't mean it becomes easier, but it becomes more simple. I think people are attracted to people who can go through life in that way, where when a challenge comes up, they deal with it. And they understand that this is a benefit to me. There's something here for me to gain so that it allows me to become more fully who I am, to experience and express more fully who I am. I also think the challenges we are given give us that opportunity to measure how powerful we truly are because we can move through these extraordinary experiences. Once we're faced with it, most of the time we sit there and we go, I have no clue how I'm going to do this. Yeah. And then all yeah. of a sudden we just do what we do. We don't think about it. We just do what we do because we're in the middle of it. Then all of a sudden we're on the other side of it and somebody will say, I don't know how you did that. And we say, I don't know how he did it either. I wouldn't want to go through the experience again, but this is what I gained from it. And, and I just think that it gives us a measure of, of really how powerful we are. And to me, there is no limit to what humanity can do other than the limits we put on ourselves. And unfortunately, too many times it's just thoughts. It's just somebody saying you can't do that or that's not possible. And yet any great thing that's ever happened on this planet has been the result of somebody not conforming to what everybody else would say is possible or is impossible. They're allowing their, their creativity, their imagination, their curiosity to guide them to something much bigger and better than perhaps the rest of the people are able to imagine. And they just got out of their own way. They followed it. They, they looked at what was showing up for them to achieve whatever it is that they were trying to achieve. And I, I use the word faith as an acronym. And, you know, faith from a religious standpoint, we know what that is. Faith also is about trusting in something that's going to take place without there being any evidence of it. Well, I use faith as an acronym for fully allow it to happen, which to me is about getting out of the way. So that's trusting that this is going to take place, but it's about fully allowing it to happen by as these components to whatever it is that you're trying to create or experience show up, you make choices and you make choices towards that, that you know are going to support you in, again, whatever it is you're trying to create or experience. We, we hear this all the time 
coming from different sources in different contexts. Um, you, you probably know Gary V, the the uh, sports um, motivational speaker, is quite aggressive. But he he talks about um, going all in on yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and sort of just just committing. And you know, it's been said over hundreds and thousands of years. You know, fortune favors the bold. Have the courage to go forward. Just take a deep breath. Um, it was Jean Luc Godard, I think, said. Um, uh, he who leaps into the void owes no explanation to those who stand and watch you know just just if you want to change your world then take that first step yeah. but I mean is there a chance that we're going to fall flat on our face and it's all going to go terribly wrong and we're going to end up you know, die, dying old and lonely in a gutter somewhere and we've lived our full expression but it didn't quite work out for us is that is that you know is that likely to happen yeah, but I think that people thinking about living in full expression, they think there is some end result that they're supposed to experience. We don't know what that is. It could be that that person who does all that they did and all of a sudden falls flat on their face, that was the lesson they were supposed to learn, whatever, whatever that was. And we can stand back and judge it and say, oh, he didn't achieve whatever he was working on. Therefore, he must be a failure or maybe it wasn't the right path for him to take. But how do we know? We don't. We have absolutely no clue what his soul intended. And it could be exactly as it played out. So I, I you know, I look at those situations and I, I, I bless people. I mean, I, if I see somebody, if I see a homeless person, bless you for the choice you've made to live this life you're living. Because what do I know? I don't know what that soul was looking for. I don't know what this person's experienced. Stephen Covey has a, a very famous story in his book. And it was he was on a bus and he, he had had a very long day and he was tired and just wanted to get home. While he was on the bus, there was a gentleman there that had two little kids and the two little kids were running around making a lot of noise, being disruptive. And Stephen Covey just wanted to be quiet. He's thinking to himself, why can't this guy control his kids? I can't believe anybody would allow their children to run around on, on a bus the way that they're running. And he said he was getting really frustrated, and really angry. And he said, then he started having a conversation with the gentleman and the man in the conversation said, these children just lost their mother. And Covey said, all of a sudden, everything changed because now you're not looking at this guy as not being somebody responsible for his children. You're looking at somebody trying to deal with the loss of a wife, the loss of a mother for the children, puts it in a totally different context. So that's why we have to be careful how we're judging people in circumstances because we don't know what they're going through or what they've been through, just as they don't know what we're going through or have been through. So I I think we have to have that that degree of compassion. And I think compassion is something that is sorely missing in the world right now. And if there's anything any of us can do or all of us can do, it's about having more compassion for humanity. I mean, really understanding that all of us are trying to do the best that we can given the circumstances that we're in and with that compassion i believe it helps us move through it to whatever the next experience we're supposed to have can be that you know hopefully it uplifts people do you think that somehow we have managed to create a system that is trying to uh distract us from this kind of way of being you know it's, it's a system that wants us to judge other people wants us to be um, discontented with our own situation and our own lives and that actually even though for thousands of years we've had wise people telling us this we've now got people like you we've got people like Gary V we've got all the philosophers telling us that all of this noise is a distraction from you know 
and all of this anger we feel and that's coming up within us is being kind of weaponized against us, if you like, from living a, a true, peaceful, united existence as a, as a race and as individuals. Do you think that we have kind of made this on, well, I don't, I don't want to say on purpose, but do you think that we've made this system to kind of stop us from achieving that, that kind of realization? Yeah, because we've agreed to it. Yeah. We're in agreement with it. If we allow it to be, then we're in agreement with it. We're not doing anything to stop it. And it doesn't mean that we're going to stop it for all of humanity, but we begin that process by stopping it for ourselves, by recognizing that's not who I am. That's not the way I want to live my life. That's not the way it has to be. I work with a lot of people who are baby boomers. I'm a baby boomer myself. And regardless of the level of success a lot of people have had, one of the questions or one of the, one of the comments they make to me is, I've had a great life, but there's got to be more to life than this. Yeah. And, and I think that's because they bought into the day-to-day -day monotony of, of what life can be instead of looking at what is it I really want to do? What do I love doing? What can I give my, myself permission to do and not get so caught up in all this, this daily stuff? I will say, and this is, I think there's other people who will share on this thought. I think one of the reasons behind the pandemic was to give the planet an opportunity to take a breath, to yeah. take a pause. And I talked to people after a person after person after person who says that was a period of deep reflection for them. And now they're reassessing their lives. Now, it's going to be interesting to see if they fall back on the way things were or if they're actually going to act on whatever their reflection brought to them about how they want to change life, about how they want life to be moving forward. Because we were given that great opportunity. And I know I did a lot of reflection during that time frame and assessing who I am and what I'm doing and how I want my life to be for whatever time I have left. There, there's a guy I spoke to on the podcast called Jason Garner, and he's, um, he's a, a very spiritual guy. He's uh, found kind of Japanese style meditation. And he, he said to me that life is constantly talking to us and it gets mm -hmm. louder and louder and louder until eventually it slaps us around the face. And it kind of said, wake up, you know, and I, I really feel like this is a kind of, you know, this happens to us on a personal level. Um, you know, we, we get, we wake up when we decide that, you know, we're not happy with our situation or we wake up through some sort of trauma, but this is kind of like a collective wake up call, I think, right. but it's gone on for so long now. I think people will accept even the old normal to just have a bit of kind of respite from lockdowns and from, you know, wearing masks and the rest of it. And, and, yeah. and I think that's what I worry about. The danger is we, we'll take the old normal because it's better than what we've been through this last, um, you know, two years, if you like. Um, but that actually brings me on to uh, something in your book, which is, I find very interesting, your four phases and then your four pillars. So you, you talk about reflection and revelation and reconciliation and then resurrection. And it's this is like the process that, that kind of, you suggest people go through when they they kind of rediscover themselves and that they're kind of more authentic um selves if you like so how does where does this begin with reflection is this something that you consciously do or is it a kind of state of awareness that's thrust upon you through whatever circumstance you find yourself in what i'm going to share with you right now is going to be an example of everything that we've been talking about where things show up at the right time this morning when i woke up the word that was in my mind was resignation. So it's not like quitting your job. It's resignation. It's giving into. It's acknowledging that whatever you're doing is not working. So you're 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 giving into it. Uh, 
So I thought about that with regard to the those four items, reflection, uh, revelation, um, reconciliation, and uh, resurrection. So I think we actually begin at resignation. I think that's the starting point where we resign that life has to be better than this. And then once we get to that point where this is not the way I want to live my life, I, I know there's more to this. I know there's more to me. And I know that life will support me in giving me whatever it is that I believe is available to me. And that's a big part of it too. You will get what you believe is possible and you'll get what you believe you're worthy of. And as you adopt that mindset, you'll see more and more show up. So I think we go from resignation. So you, you get to that point said, okay, there's gotta be more than this. Then we start to think about it. Well, what is it about life? What am I reflecting on? What am I doing? What do I wanna do? How has my life been? So we're having all of those thoughts that really start that, that whole process. And then once we get to that, we have the revelation, which is the aha. We finally have a situation that comes up and go, oh, now I get it. But it's not like we get the big aha. It's, a, it's an aha that's specific to us relating to our lives and who we are and what we're doing and how we want our life to unfold, a greater understanding of something. And then the reconciliation is reconciling it into our lives, where we now allow that to be a part of who we are. It becomes a way of, of our expressing in the world. And so as we allow that to be an expression through us, we finally get to the point of the resurrection, which is the, as I put in the book, it's the metaphorical death of the, the version of us, if you will, that existed prior to going through this process. And so now there is this, this um, I don't want to say it's a new version because I don't think we change versions. I just think it's a more expanded, a more expanded expression of who we, who we actually are. And so we get to that point of, of, of living from a much higher level higher consciousness, if you will, greater understanding of what life is all about, what I'm all about, what I can do, what life is offering me. And then in, in my living in that higher expression, I'm serving as an example to other people of what's possible for them. It's not like saying, look at, look at me, look what I have, you can't have this. Because once you get to that higher level of understanding, you're not thinking about it from an ego standpoint. You're not, you're not looking at it me versus them. You're just saying, this is me. And this is how I'm living my life. And I'm enjoying it. I'm not concerned about other labels and things people put on me. People, and you mentioned this too, people would be attracted to somebody at that level of consciousness because they want to live life in that way. So we then give people permission to be more of who they are by our being more of who we are, living in full expression of our truth. And then I think we go through the process again. I think we, we live from that higher level and hopefully we maintain that high level of understanding and consciousness. Although I do think we drop back and forth because of circumstances that might show up. But because we have that higher knowing, we can bring ourselves back up much more quickly. But I think we go into another period of, of reflection. And I think we go into another period of, of um, revelation and, and reconciliation. And then we're reborn again, so to speak. And I think it's, it's that process that we evolve. When is it about living the kind of considered life? I don't know who it was that said it, but a, a, an unconsidered life is a life kind of half lived. Is mm -hmm. it about kind of, saying I'm, I'm here now and yeah. I know these people over here want me to be like this and these people over here want me to be like this but in here I feel like I need to be like this you know yeah it's just here's, knowing here's a, here's a here's a trap that I fell into and I think I think other people who are consciously living what they would consider to be a spiritual life fall into I had this idea of what a spiritual person or a spiritual being would look like and would think like and how they would act 
And I realized that thoughts I was having were anything but spiritual. I realized that I had made some choices that were anything but spiritual. So now I felt like I was a fraud, right? That I'm not, I'm not this spiritual being that I, that I think I am and that I'm out there sharing with people based on the things that I know and I understand. So I went on one of my morning walks and I said, what gives? Why am I having these feelings about not feeling, not feeling as if I am this spiritual being that I truly know that I am? And the answer immediately, and this is where the universe or whatever you want to call it has a tremendous sense of humor. And it said to me, stop trying to be the perfect human and just be perfectly human. So we're supposed to have the experience of the human. We're supposed to be angry. We're supposed to have joy and happiness. We're supposed to experience pain. We're supposed to be judgmental at certain points, but it's all about rising above that, understanding what the feelings are and the emotions are and having the full experience of it in physical form but it's about not becoming it. Don't become an angry person. Don't become a judgmental person. Don't become a sad person. It's about having the experience so we know what it is and then being able to move beyond it and being living from that more elevated way of being. Because you, you talked about the four pillars as well, non-judgment, unconditional love, gratitude, and forgiveness. And that, they're a great way to kind of, I mean, I, I go on to, I've kind of taken a break from Twitter um, but I go on there occasionally, I'd see if anyone's kind of messaged me or something like that. And I see what's trending and it's normally someone I don't like, a sort of politician or something. And I, I click yeah. on it. And then there's a part of me inside that's saying, I need to add my angry rant to this, to this yeah. um, you know, shouting match, this kind of echo chamber of anger, because I can feel my, my bile rising. And then I think, hang on a minute, I need to practice what I preach here, forgiveness, gratitude. Um, I, I, unconditional love isn't on my list but I'm going to try it anyway but certainly non-judgment I do try to practice and I said I kind of say well okay this is not me this is not this is my emotions being used against me in a way to to kind of you know make me angry and make me feed into this this system that we've created so yeah. I kind of step away reluctantly step away and uh, and yeah I mean I think I think you're right that there's more to you know, we live in this human world. We live in the world that is going to influence us. We do have to pay our bills and do have to show up to the office every day. I mean, you, you work with people in a variety of, of different roles. And, you know, there is that. We have to be, we have to give ourselves some, some slack, mm -hmm. you know, because otherwise, we, you know, we're not monks living in monasteries and, you know, with a vow of silence, but we're interacting in society and we have to understand that we're humans as well. And, and I guess that's where your book is coming from. It's about, you know, enabling us to function in society, but also to live our full expression, um, you know, within that, that kind of framework, if you like. Yeah, the, the way that I like to look at my book, it, it's not a, an instruction book telling you what you have to do. It's about giving you opportunities to look at life through different perspectives. And then taking on whatever perspective you want, creating your own, maybe just looking at yourself and maybe interacting with people in a totally different way. Cause I, I go from everything from God's will and what that is to relationships and how we act in a relationship. I go, I talk about creating miracles and how we each create miracles every day. So it runs a gamut of different topics that people can engage in. Uh, you know, one of them, and we've been talking about the truth with all this. One of the, the topics that I've really become more aware of recently is the whole idea of confirmation bias. 
and you just mentioned clicking on Twitter and all of a sudden somebody's on there that you don't like, well, then you all of a sudden get bombarded with people who are either sharing that same message or whatever. And that's just the way social media works, that it feeds you what it is you've shown you have interest in. And it gets reinforced and reinforced and reinforced. And these conspiracy theories bank on that. And these people who set up those websites that are geared towards conspiracy theory, they don't care what they put on there because they're making millions of dollars off of advertisers who all the advertisers want is eyes on their product. And they're not care, they don't care what they're affiliated with. Now, some are changing, some are being a little bit more, a little bit more conscious about it. But the whole idea of confirmation bias, which is basically just that, you will continue to receive what you're willing to accept, right? So if I, if I continue to look at things that are not support, not beneficial to me, I'm going to continue to get that because that's just the way it works. Well, confirmation bias works in the positive too. If I, if I start clicking on information or ideas or connect with people who are uplifting, who are spiritual, who are good people from every sense of the word, I'm going to start getting more information and more, more beneficial, more powerful, more uplifting support, because that's now where I've shown my interest lies. That also works within ourselves, because we feed ourselves whatever information we're focusing on. So if I'm focusing on negative things, negative thoughts about myself, I'm going to continue having that thought loop go through my head. If I can change that and start having more positive, beneficial, uplifting thoughts about myself, really getting to the truth of who I am, then that's the thought loop that's going to start playing. And then I don't have to worry about that noise. Doesn't mean it doesn't show up. It does. And I think it shows up to make us to make us make a decision that we want to stay on track, that we want to stay in this positive thought loop versus the other information that might come in. Yeah, fantastic. And I, I guess it all, it all comes down to knowing that, you know, be, becoming self-aware knowing yeah. that we we have a, a say in our mindset and we we are malleable in a way and that we yeah. can we have some power to change what what's going on inside us and that that in turn will change what's going on in our immediate sphere our, our experience yeah. of life um, everything begins with awareness yeah. it's about paying attention and then as you pay attention look at the correlations between what's happening in your beliefs and your thoughts because there is a correlation there I mean, I like to think about it in terms of um, what we consume. You know, if you eat junk food all day long, you're going to get sick. And it's the same with the information we, right. we, you know, consume. But I also like to think of the idea that, you know, if you, if you go out in, into the world with a smile on your face, occasionally someone's going to smile back. And right. it's that kind of, you know, we might not be able to directly change our, our reality, but we can change the way we show up, which then changes the way the world kind of interact yeah. with us a little bit. You know, a, a perfect example of that, and, and this is, I use this as a description or a, a, a way to define how you create a miracle. So you've had a really bad day and you're standing in line at the grocery store and you've got your basket or your cart or whatever, and you're just grumpy and you just want to get home and, you know, just everything's, everything's not right about the world with you. There's a woman in front of you with a baby in her cart. And the baby's just lying there doing what babies do, just kind of looking around and all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, your eyes catch the baby's eyes and the baby smiles at you. Everything melts. I mean, all of a sudden, for, the mo I mean, for most people, your disposition changes, you let go of the stress, the anger, and you connect with that pure essence. To me, that's a miracle. But yeah. we all possess that. But we don't allow ourselves to have that kind of impact on the world. And it's as easy as, as you said, smiling. Because when we smile, our eyes light up too. 
you can't smile and have your eyes, you know, do funky things. They're going to light up. And it's, I mean, to me, that's a perfect example of how that just totally disarms us and allows us to just relax, take a breath and realize that not everything is bad, that there are beautiful, wonderful things in the world. The example is this baby sitting in front of me. Yeah. And it's funny, isn't it? It's, we become so distracted by all of these things that we think are so important, yet there are miracles happening all around us. You know, the, the plants that are growing in the ground, the, the clouds in the sky, you know, you just if you stop and think like, how amazing is that actually? Yeah. That we have these huge clouds in the sky on a, a beautiful sunny day. You know, that, that is a miracle in itself, you know. Or you see a plant growing out of the middle of a rock. Yeah. And you know, it's like, okay, so what's that about? Yeah. You know, it, I mean, it's funny. I, I've, um, in, in the house that I used to live in, I had a fairly decent yard and I would maintain it because I like having a nice yard. And I, I would look at it in the evening and then I would go to bed. But then the next morning I'd wake up and there'd be a mushroom growing in the middle of the yard. And I'm thinking that was not there yesterday. How could that mushroom have grown to be six inches tall or whatever it is in that short period of time? And so I look at, I look at miracles being they're created when the conditions are such that the, the, the miracle is created. So everything, everything that exists, exists because it's of perfection. If something's not perfect, it can't exist whether it be a mushroom, whether it be you, or whether it be me or anybody else. It, it, there has to be perfection for whatever we're seeing or agreeing to, to exist in the world. And that kind of brings us back a little bit to the idea that, you know, what we're experiencing now is perfect for us in this moment. You know, there is a lesson to be taught here. We might be going through a terrible time, but we are where we need to be in this moment because there is so some awareness. Again, awareness, be, be aware of what's happening in the moment that is there to support us. Yeah, absolutely. So um, in order to kind of move things along and, and wrap things up, what do you think is the, um, the big takeaway from, from your book, you know, living in full expression? If there was one thing you could, you could sum up that you would want people to take away from it, um, what, would that, what would that be? I think that life is not as it appears to be. And I know that's a, that's a big statement, but I think if we can get beyond the things that we're looking at and the judgments we make about it and the labels we placed on everything or on other people and recognize that we're all here for the same purpose, which is the, the realization of the truth and that we're all interacting with each other to help each other get to that realization, even though the appearance might be that it's somebody trying to do something against me. But it's, it's, it's really about recognizing, you know, we, we talk about everybody being part of the one, you know, whatever that is. And I think that we have to recognize that, that, that we are part of that. We're all of humanity, but even above and beyond that, we're all of source, whatever anybody wants to call that. And I think that once we get to that realization, we start to have compassion for each other. We start to, to support one another in different ways. We become less judgmental. We become more accepting and less just judgmental of ourselves. We give ourselves a break. You know, we allow ourselves to be who we truly are without, without uh, clinging to or agreeing to what other people might say about us. We know we're not what people are saying about us. We know in our hearts, we know, and we yeah. have to trust that. We have to trust it. So it's a little bit like having courage to just stop seeking approval permission validation from the world around us and and have the courage to find it in here and to make your own decisions and to accept the result of those decisions and to use well, that essentially it's 
Yeah, essentially what we're saying to other people is, you know more about me and what's in my best interest than I do. Yeah. And they don't. Nobody knows more about you and what you want and, and how you would like to experience life and what you're all about than you do. But we allow all this other information to, to um, create that chaos yeah. that, that allows us not to be able to see who we truly are. And we get caught up in it. Yeah. And I, and I love it. I love the, this kind of idea because it's, if you're not spiritual, there's, it's practical advice. Um, it's as philosophical as you want it to be. If you are spiritual in whatever, whatever form you are, there's connection there to whatever your beliefs or your, you know, your cultural yeah. tradition might be. Yeah. Um, so it just sounds like a, an excellent, you know, book to read, uh, excellent kind of ideas for living, if you like, and to, to find ourselves. So where can people get hold of the book? Is it widely available? Well, depending upon where you are on the planet, if, if you're in the United States, you can go to my website and order it directly from me and I can give you a signed copy. But it's, it's too expensive now to ship it somewhere else, you know, overseas. So I would go to Amazon and get it through Amazon wherever you are, because it pretty much can be available wherever. It is available in Barnes and Noble and places like that. But I think most people now are still buying on Amazon. So I would, I would suggest they go there. Fantastic. And again, if they're, in, if they're in the United States, they can go to my website, livinginfullexpression.com. And I've got a lot of information on there. Anybody can go to my website. There's a lot of free downloads and articles that I've written that are supportive of the information you and I've been talking about. Fantastic. And to start someone off on their journey, is there, is there one step that you could take to, one practical thing that you could do to start living in full expression? Decide you want to. Okay, that's great. Yeah. I mean, seriously, it's about making the decision to do it. Yeah. Fantastic. And then it's going to show up. I mean, we've been talking about that. It's going to show up when you make the decision and you make the commitment, it's going to show up. Then courage has to come in. Then you have to take the courage to step into whatever that is and trust it. Fantastic. Well, that's brilliant. Well, I, I will leave it there. Thank you so much for, for your time. And um, it's funny, so much of this is resonating with me right now because um, a lot of it resonates with the journey I've been on, some of the things I believe as well. And uh, some of the, the kind of wisdom, the little bits of wisdom that I pick up here from, from Buddhism, from Taoism, from Bukowski, yeah. from the Stoics, you know, all the different writers that I, that I read. Um, yeah. And it all seems to be kind of solidifying in this, this one place. So definitely a book that I'm, I'm going to have to finish and uh, recommend to other people as well. So thank, thank you, you so I, much for that. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. So there you go. That was me talking to Jim Phillips, the author of Life Living in Full Expression. And you can find out more about Jim, as I mentioned, at his website, www.livinginfullexpression.com. And you can find his book on Amazon or in all good bookshops. That was a lot to think about there and a lot that resonated with me personally. So I hope you enjoyed that too. Uh, don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast. You can rate and review it. Please do if you if you like what you're hearing. There's a lot of love that goes into this. And you can also join the conversation at our Facebook group. Just search for Conversations on Living or find the link in the show notes. Uh, next week, we have got Tom Cronin, the uh, producer of that documentary that I was talking about, The Portal. And it'll be interesting to hear his insight about how when we get beneath ego through meditation, we can really align with who we are as a collective on this planet. 
All right, that's all for now. I hope you enjoyed this. Find out more about me and my writing at the website uh, www.conversationsonliving.com and there are all the other uh, episodes on there as well. We've got some great conversations with people like Martha Beck. Uh, We've got Cheryl Richardson on there and a whole host of very wise and interesting and intelligent people. And I hope you enjoyed that and we'll tune in next week when I will have Tom Cronin on the show. Thanks a lot and have a great day.